it is an honor and a privilege to be here with you all this morning. It feels like home. And I'm so happy about that because I've been homesick. So thank you so much for having me this morning. I won't lie to you, this sermon is gonna be a little uncomfortable. Okay, that's all right. I hope you just receive it with an open heart. John was the youngest brother of three. His oldest brother's name was Sebastian, and the middle brother was Matthew. Their father owned a couple Mitsubishi dealerships. You see, the three boys spent a lot of time in their father's business, and they all experienced it differently. John, the youngest, would often watch his father from afar as he was kept entertained in a room with some snacks and maybe a Game Boy. He would often wonder what his father was doing. Sometimes he would sneak out of the room he was in just to overhear his father speak to customers, employees, and just phone conversations. Many of the times he would try to look at his father, lead out his meetings. His father would always tell him, get back in the room and wait for your mom to come and bring you home. John, being curious, would often ask his father many questions about the business. Dad, how did you buy your first dealership? Where do you get all these cars to display? His father would look at him and smile and say, John, you're too young to understand all that. Matthew, the middle child, would be responsible to bring John to their father's dealership after school. Since he was a couple years older than John, his father would get him to do some work. Things like filing, answering phone calls, greeting people, sweeping, and so on. Since he was able to roam around a little bit more, he would often see his father fire employees. He would see, or should I say, overhear how his father spoke to his employees and how the employees spoke about his father. Matthew could tell that although business was doing well financially, relationship-wise, something was lacking. Sebastian, the oldest son, would spend the most time with his father at his dealership. I want you to know how to run a dealership, his father would often tell him. So he would often accompany his father on business trips and meetings. He saw all the ins and outs of the business and carefully studied his father. Sebastian had a similar mentee-mentor relationship with his father as Timothy did with Paul. It's no secret that churches are losing young people. It is the common fear everywhere you go. How can we secure the present generation? It's a common question. I believe one of the best people to answer that is Paul, because he showed through his mentor relationship with Timothy how to keep and secure the generations. Paul met Timothy on his second missionary journey, and Paul took him under his wing. His mother was a Jew and his father a Greek. 
The Jews and the Greek were different, ethnically, socially, culturally, and most importantly, religiously. You see, Jews were monotheistic, meaning they believed in only one God, the God that created heaven and earth. Greek were polytheistic, meaning they worshiped many gods. Why am I mentioning that? I want you to know that Timothy came from an unequally yoked relationship. This is important because although Paul knew that, he still took him under his wing. It doesn't matter the person's background or where they come from when they desire to serve God. Paul, he often called Timothy his son or brother and expressed his love and appreciation for him. And 1 Timothy 1 verse 2 says, To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 2, he says, To Timothy, my beloved son. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 2 we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service. Do you hear the love that he had for Timothy? You see, we have to understand that we are truly part of a family, each and every one of us here. But do we treat each other like family? The love we usually have for our family is greater than the love we would have for a stranger. You see, if someone in our family messed up, we would try to lovingly correct them, pull them aside and help them out, not talk about them or look down at them. See, growing up, I would often overhear my parents say that back in Haiti, if a child misbehaves, anyone in the community had the right to discipline that child. I wasn't raised in Haiti, so I didn't experience that. But the fact that they commonly all, all the time told me that, I often wondered if that same community would also make it a priority to love that child as much as they disciplined them. The relationship Paul cultivated with Timothy was a loving father-son, mentor-mentee relationship. It was safe. Paul taught Timothy the purpose of the commandment. As was just read, 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, love, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. He made sure that Timothy didn't miss the point in all their evangelizing. They were to love God and one another and also demonstrate it. In Acts 20, verse 24, it says, Paul, heading, heading to Jerusalem to share the gospel, knows that he would face hard times. And he says, Timothy, I consider my life nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. He demonstrates to Timothy that there is nothing worth more than serving God. Do we demonstrate that to the younger generation? 
Are we sacrificing our wants to pursue God? You know, maybe swallowing our pride sometimes and admitting that we have done wrong and asking for forgiveness. They will see Jesus in you. Generational cycles are real. What we refuse to overcome and surrender to God, our children will have to battle. Paul continues to say in Acts 20, verse 24, that I may finish my race with joy. He teaches him in actions the importance of persevering while maintaining a joyful spirit. We see the older generation serving God, faithfully coming to church prayer meeting, Sabbath morning for Sabbath school, We see the perseverance, but a lot of us wonder if it's out of habits or from a joyful heart. Paul taught Timothy humility. He writes to Paul in 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, saying, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an isolate man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Majority of young people are more receptive and willing to share when you open up about your mess ups, about when you didn't get it all right they will be more receptive and more open to sharing with you what they're going through. And you know, I'm not a parent myself, but I can imagine how hard it is. I can. Because as a parent, an adult, you don't want them to lose respect for you. But what ends up happening is that they believe you are perfect and sinless. So therefore, They have to be perfect and sinless to be accepted by God. But we know that no one is perfect but the Lord. So when they try, and they try, and they try, and they realize it's unattainable, the enemy is able to tell them they aren't worthy. And what happens when they get older and realize you're actually not perfect? You do mess up then they start viewing the people of God as hypocritical. The youth need to know that Jesus came to save all sinners, which we all are a part of. Don't let how I'm dressed fool you. I have to hold on to the hem of his garments too. Paul taught Timothy the importance of interceding for others as they lost Hemanias and Alexander in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. 
Therefore, I exert first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We all know what intercession is, but do we understand how powerful it is? Just like the children's story that was showed today, it's as if somebody can't speak and someone is stepping in for them and speaking for them. Do your children hear you pray on behalf of others more than they hear your prayer list? How often do they hear you interceding for others? Paul also tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, flee all youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, the Bible doesn't say that lust was Timothy's struggle, but Paul addressing it as, a, as youthful, he is aware of the temptations that youth face. Timothy joined Paul on his missionary journey to Corinth. Right after Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, Corinth was a city known for its highly sexual activities. There were temples where prostitutes would stay and men would come in to sleep with them as a form of worship to their gods. Even in the church Paul started, there were reports given to him of unthinkable sexual activities happening. This is the city that young Timothy joined Paul in on a missionary journey. Can you imagine his struggle? Did you know that there are about 1,752 cannabis stores in Canada. And it's only growing more. Because I don't know about you, but everywhere I drive, I see an opening soon. I see a coming soon. See, the government of Canada did a survey in 2020 of cannabis use for non-medical purpose. And this is what they found. 44% of users are between the ages of 16 and 19 years old. That's almost half. 24% of users are between the ages, are, 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 sorry, are up the ages of 25 and plus. Now listen to this. Almost 30% of those people are attending school, college, and university. Do you know the likelihood of you knowing a young person in church that struggles with this is very high? The reason why we need to never be ashamed to share what we struggled with is because there is someone that is where you once were. And they need your testimony. This is the purpose of community. It's not to come and look good. It's not to come and see who sings the best. It's for us to come and say, I struggle with this, pray for me. This is the purpose of getting together. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 to be the example in how he speaks, acts, 
loves in his faith and purity. Now, young people, let me speak to you for a second. The reality is sometimes the previous generation didn't have a mentor to show them this. They didn't have a mentor to show them how to walk the walk and talk the talk. But as we are learning this, we now can do better. We don't need to be petty. We can show love ourselves too. He continues by saying to him, to meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That is your progress, that your progress may be evident to all. To observe carefully himself and the doctrines he's learned. In other words, be self-aware and guard your truth. Sorry, guard the truth. Don't be easily pushed and swayed by other people's definitions of the truth. He tells him to not neglect the gift that is inside him. In order for him to say that, he had to have been aware of his gifts. Now in this situation, it may have been a little bit obvious. However, every child of God is gifted. Are we aware of the gifts of the youth in this church? Do we create opportunities for them to cultivate and exercise them? You would be shocked to know how many famous Hollywood singers grew up in the church. Beyonce, Whitney Houston, rest in peace. We need to allow them to use their gifts for the glory of God before the world shows them how they can make some money and become famous off of it. Do you remember the three sons I told you about in the beginning? John, Matthew, and Sebastian, and how their father owned multiple car dealerships. Well, 15 years later, their father died unexpectedly. And in his will, he gave each son a dealership. John ended up selling his because he had no idea how to run a dealership. He was never taught how to be an owner. So when it came time for him to own, he was ill-equipped. John represents the young people in the church that are often told they're too young to understand certain things. Kept in a cocoon of innocence. And although I believe in preserving children's innocence and allowing them to be kids when they are kids, we, the church, need to learn when and how to teach them things they will inevitably face in life. What happens to a young person that has always been silenced because they're too young? They either grow up to be adults that don't speak up or pridefully and aggressively speak up because they are now the adult. Those that didn't speak up usually struggle with confidence. A leader, an adult, isn't built overnight. Matthew, the middle child, he was able to witness more of his father's management skills over the years in his dealership. But when he was given the opportunity now to own it, he turned it down and sold it right away. He said, 
I don't want to become like my father and be desensitized to loving people. I don't want, the, I don't want people to start looking like dollar signs to me. That's what he witnessed. Matthew represents the young people in the church that are deemed old enough now for responsibilities. And they may attend our board meetings. They may lead out in Pathfinders. They are able to see and hear how adults speak to each other. How they truly treat each other behind the scenes of that Sabbath smile. And it leaves them with a bitter taste in their mouth. It leads them to believe that church people are hypocritical and they want no part of it. Mercy. Sebastian, the oldest son, he took and ran his dealership exactly like his father. He spoke to his employees like his father. He knew how to make money like his father but he lacked the relational skills just like his father. Sebastian represents the young people in the church that were able to shadow many of the leaders and are exposed to the structure and function of the church. They could be the ones chosen by a nominating committee to lead in various ministries of the church. They could be but are not limited to being elders deacons, deaconesses, pastors. They adapt the good and the bad they've witnessed. They study the leaders, and when it's time for them to lead, they become their clone. Through Paul's intimate relationship with Timothy, we are taught eight ways and I'm sure there are many more if you study for yourself, but I'll point out eight ways that we can secure the younger generation. Secure them and keep them active in a healthy church. Healthy. Lovingly accept them regardless of their family of origin or background or past. Treating them as if they were our own sons and daughters demonstrating to them that there is nothing worth more than serving God by serving him with a joyful spirit. Four, showing humility and the importance of it because it's in being humble that we are able to elevate Christ. We keep them in the church by teaching them the importance of intercession, by interceding for them, you are young ones. You know the struggle. Pick a young person each week that you can pray for. We keep them by being aware of the temptations they may face. And instead of avoiding these taboo topics, and I know there's many taboo topics in the church, but instead of avoiding them, we address them to save their lives because they will face these things. We keep them by breaking the cycle of do as I say, but not as I do. We become the example. And finally, we teach them the importance of and how to meditate on God's word. 
my charge for you all this afternoon, my appeal for all of us here is that we look to be a Paul to a Timothy here. We ask God to show us and teach us how we can be a Paul to the Timothys around us because they're here. And we have the testimony, the experience, and the love for God to be able to do that. Let us pray. Father God, it is hard for us to teach people things that we ourselves are not doing. So we ask, Lord, for forgiveness. We ask for help so that we can be the adults this generation needs. We can lovingly lead them, lovingly guide them, lovingly pour into them, lovingly pick them up when they fall, because they will fall. And I ask, Lord, that you remove the shame that we may have from the experiences we've done in our past so that we can share our testimony, share our experiences, so that the other generation does not have to go through the same lesson that we ourselves have already learned. I pray, Lord, for the intergenerational relationships at New Life right now. I pray, Lord, that it may grow, it may cultivate, and they may be able to become very close, Lord. We need each other. So I pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, outpouring of your Holy Spirit this afternoon so that we can learn to love each other. I thank you, Lord, because before we call, you have already answered. So I know that you have already answered this prayer. And I thank you, Father, for the Sabbath day. Amen.